This podcast contains strong language and adult themes. Date Night China explores life and love for better relationships in China. Every week, we hear from different guests and dive into dating, relationships, mental health, and how both expats and Chinese people connect with each other here in China. Join the Date Night community through our podcast and events in Beijing and Shanghai, and catch up on all the latest stories on our official WeChat account. Find our account on WeChat by searching Date Night China. No spaces, no capital letters. You can also join our WeChat group by adding Rachel, me, on WeChat. You can search Rachel Weiss twenty two, R A C H E L W E I S S twenty two. And now for this week's episode. Okay, welcome back to episode twenty one. In this episode, we have Valentine and Hayden, and they are advocates about speaking on men's mental health and support, as well as hosting their own personal projects in China to help these initiatives. We're really excited about this episode because Hayden and Valentine have both already been featured on DNC before. If you're a podcast listener, you've heard Hayden on episode nine about polyamory in China, and Valentine has also been in our DNC videos. So if you go check out our videos on YouTube, Billy Billy and WeChat, the hilarious, you may have seen him. Wildly entertaining videos, <laughs> and we're really excited to have a conversation with them today. They both have some great insights and opinions when it comes to dating and relationships. And uh, more, yeah, and and discussing men and masculinity and what that means. It would take multiple episodes uh, to to really discuss it in length,、uh, but we'll try to focus on their personal experiences,、uh, especially in China. Today, we will chat with them more about their experiences with male friendships, stereotypes, mental health, and more. So, welcome to the show, chaps. It's good、Thank、to be here.、Fun. Thanks. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah. How you doing today? You feeling ready? To、yeah. Dive into masculinity. Let's do it. Yeah, we're just gonna、go. nail it in an hour, right? Yeah, solve、mm. all the problems. It's <laughs> gonna be great. We can do it. Yeah, yeah. right、oh. here, right now, today.、Yeah. No pressure. No pressure. Strap in, everybody. It's gonna get wild. <laughs> uh, so we'll start off.、Uh, Valentine, will you tell us a little bit about yourself?、Uh, where you're from? How long you've been here?、Uh, what are you up to?、Uh, who are you? Oh, thank you. So my name is Valentine. I'm from the UK, and I've been in China for. Almost three years now.、Uh, I'm currently a teacher. I'm training to be a Montessori teacher now, and、um, I also have a small project going, like a pro,、uh, podcast, which is called Men Are Human Too, and it basically talks about what we're going to be talking about today: the masculinity and vulnerability, and that they can both exist, and that the existence of vulnerability doesn't mean the death of masculinity, so that they can coexist. And、um, yeah, I'm just kind of finding myself, quote unquote, in China, and I'm happy to be here. So yeah, thank you for having me. Mm, mm. And we'll talk about that a little bit more because it's a brand new podcast. You're on episode two, four, four. He had, four. He had, he had four, a new、yeah. one out today. Oh, oh yes, <laughs> yeah. So we'll definitely plug that later. But、yes. really great themes that you talk about already on it.、Mm-hmm. Thank you, I appreciate that. And Hayden, the same to you. Welcome back. Thanks. Thank、uh, but if if people are meeting you for the first time,、uh, can you give us a little bit about yourself? Sure.、Um, all right. So I'm I'm from Arizona, the United States. I've been in China for nine, almost ten years now.、Uh, for the last four years, I've been working at Bite Dance. But as of two weeks ago, I'm playing around with being a housewife, which has been really nice.、Um, I, I I was laid off, so、uh, now I'm just looking at 
doing maybe bringing some of my other side projects more to the forefront. So workshops on sexuality and, and masculinity, um, as well as uh, I've been helping Elena and you guys with the uh, men's dinners. Um, much more credit to Elena, but I've just kind of been behind the scenes helping her out where I can. Yeah, I feel like you've been doing a lot with that, actually, and shaping a lot of the interesting topics and questions that the group has discussed. And it's good, really good feedback to, mm. to hear about. But I'm sorry you were laid off as well. But <laughs> is, is Kat loving you as the housewife? Not even a little bit. No, 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 no. She's she, <laughs> no, I think she's OK with it. She just <laughs> is like, all right, housewife duties, start cooking, start cleaning, get your body in shape. And I'm like, well, I can do one of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the triangle, like pick pick one, pick two, but not all three. That's not going to happen. Exactly. Um, but mostly, no, you know, just like trying to get into like housewife group chats and and go to brunches and stuff and talk about Bridgerton. That's <laughs> well, what I want to do. We've, we've, we've had a brunch already. Ooh. Okay. You me mean and you? You oh. me? Yeah, last week. <laughs> Jesus, she's already forgot. Wow, I was, I was, he's had so many now. I he wasn't doesn't, ready he doesn't for the know. Radio silence. Wow. <laughs> not a, not <laughs> on my own podcast. Oh, Bloody hell, me. savage, not, <laughs> savage, mate. In my defense, it was so hot that day that my my brain wasn't working. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. But let's give a recap, just because we did mention it, the dinners, because Helen Helena did come on the podcast a few episodes back. Uh, so, Rach, what are those about? Yeah, so Helena and I, what she mentioned in her podcast episode with us, I think it was episode 14, is she runs Bear Project, which is, you know, a lot about vulnerability and diving deeper with your connections in and China. deeper conversations. Deeper conversations, right. And so she approached us this year and she mentioned that she had been wanting to do these men's dinners for a long time to discuss, you know, how, how are men in society today? There's there's so many issues and how to handle identity and masculinity. And it, it's really hard. And one thing, you know, you see in Beijing communities and I think most everywhere is like a lot of these women will have lots of groups for everything. Like I'm in a million different group chats for women, events, organizations, support groups, all these kind of things that I think women are a little bit more inclined to, to jump on and be part of or create in these initiatives. But for men, it's a little bit harder. I think just there's so many things for that. So Helena wanted to start these discussions as a way to hear from personal experiences from mm. men. Mm. Yeah, and, and and Valentine, you've been to one as well, haven't you? One of the dinners. Yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, that's why I met uh, Hayden for the first time. Yeah, I, um, I loved it. It was very, it was very honest and open. No, there was no ego. Everyone was just like open and honest, and <clears throat> we were just kind of telling our truths, and that was brilliant. I really loved it, and yeah met some really cool people so thank you for having me on that one as well mm, still a hard topic though right i mean like you know to even in this episode i don't know where we're gonna go but like uh, what is masculinity i don't know i even even been to a few dinners and thinking about it and reflecting on it i still don't quite know mm. what that means yeah i've been doing a lot of work with my therapist about this actually about you know bringing out elements of my quote-unquote masculinity that like i've been suppressing for a very long time and she gives me, you know, a lot of materials and sources and I see these qualities that define masculinity and I'm going, these are anyone, anyone can have these traits. It doesn't feel so like then, gendered to you. Like these right, traits. right. So then I'm kind of stuck right at the start of that, right? What the hell is masculinity really? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't but have I, that answer. But, but I, I, I do feel... Um, 
the podcast that you started, Valentine. I mean, is that was that one of the reasons why that you started doing it to help define it, or just to hate, to create a space for men to talk about things for you to reflect on your own journey through life, through life rather than like being a man because there's not like you're not living an alternate life, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's is it through the prism of masculinity because you know yeah. men are human too. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it kind of touches on what Hayden said. You know, I've had similar ones with my therapist and the Reiki I've been doing. They've been telling me I need to get more in touch with my masculinity. And that's so strange because if you look at me and Hayden, you know, we've got like beards and we like with deep voices. When you look at us, you think, okay, masculine guys, right? But then. Hell yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. There you have our therapist telling us we need to get more in touch with that, those sides. So it's very strange and there's no set definitions for it. So it's very confusing for most people. And the reason why I started my podcast really was just to try and help men and myself as well, because I feel like when you, when you talk about it, you, you also process it. So it was mostly just to kind of help men that it's okay if you're considered maybe not as masculine or maybe if you enjoy going to brunches like, you know, Hayden and, and Nate did. Yeah, men can Super brunch memorable too. brunches. Yeah, I, I, I used to enjoy going to brunches until I realized that I'm not a good brunch guest and I'm forgettable. Oh, I mean, right, if, yeah. you're, if you're in a zone for feedback, buddy, I've got some. <laughs> not today. Let's, let's just focus on one thing at a time, okay? Let's just focus on, remember the triangle, okay? We can do one. We can do both, okay? You can't have them all. So, um, so, yeah. Tell us more. So you recently had an episode, Valentine, called Who Do You Call? And you said about, you were talking it, you started it by saying, you know, a lot of times men are told, don't cry, um, you know, don't talk about your feelings. And it's kind of like these masculine traits like you know men needs to bottle it up they need to be the strong one um so can you tell Mm -hmm. us let's start let's start from there i guess okay yeah i mean it that episode in itself it kind of embodies what you mentioned earlier about women have these groups and they have support groups yogas branches whatever they support each other and sometimes it's a blueprint if you're sad you know like for females ice cream rom-com that will probably do the job and have a good cry but for guys, it's different. I, I don't think I've seen that um, laid out so obviously because it's very strange for guys. When when you when you're together with with the boys, it's more like let's just get drunk, let's have maybe just some fun, or let's find more girls or something like that, right? And men are not given the blueprint of like, okay, cool. If you're sad, do this. And like as I said, you know, it's for men not being able to cry or being told boys don't cry, just man up. Right. You end up thinking, okay, if I'm sad, do I cry about it or do I just brush it off under the carpet and just keep it moving? So who do you call was basically trying to kind of figure out who do you call when you're sad? What do you do when you're sad? And kind of giving the steps of how to approach healing, maybe from a different perspective. So and I mentioned that like you can call anyone because right? everyone's just willing to listen. Maybe you're the one in your head who's just had these ideas that oh I'm, I'm gonna bother this person. I don't wanna I don't wanna talk to them or I might seem weak or you know if I, if I tell them I'm sad maybe I'm not as manly as they thought I was. So kind of having that balance that's that's what that episode was centered around. But and my podcast really. Mm, that's great. How about you, Hayden? Do you identify some I, of those feelings? <clears throat> yeah, sure. But I actually wanted to ask you, you know, this idea of boys don't cry. 
in your experience, were there ever moments where you were specifically instructed not to cry or throughout your life? Has it been more of just a general cultural zeitgeisty moment? Like, you know, something happens and people are like, oh, dust it off. And it's a casual comment. And then there's like a social pressure to go along with it. Well, I mean, well, there was one point where I used to date this girl at college, not university, but high school. She used to say that to me a lot. She was like, man up, you know, man up. It was so annoying because I was like, what do you mean? Because I was just being myself and I wanted to kind of tell her things. Even the day I broke up with her, I was trying to find the nicest way possible to tell her without hurting her. And she was like, oh, man up and do it. And then that, that kind of upset me. And then I just said it, right? But I was trying to be like <laughs> nice, as, as nice as possible to tell her that this is not working for me, right? And Because I don't know what she wanted. And to be honest with you, I think the boys don't cry thing with me. I think I haven't had anyone to answer your question, Hayden, instruct me directly, like, don't cry. But it's just been sort of implied. I mean, I went to boarding school and... Crying, you could cry alone, but around the boys, it kind of needed to be masculine because it's a savage environment in there. It's almost like prison, to be honest with you, because it was an all boys school and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's lethal. So it kind of, you see that very concept in there. Like you need to be, you need to be basically the lion in, in the jungle because if you show any weakness, they'll just walk all mm. over you. Mm. I'm not sure if that answered your question, Hayden. Yeah, I mean, well, it's perfect. How about you? I it would I would have would have given the exact same answer that it's just this general ongoing cultural thing that is you know you can't really deal with it right. It's not a physical object. It's just day to day micro transactions mm -hmm. that equate to a subconscious like pressure to to withhold or to keep control over your emotions. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. I, I think I've had a, a different experience actually because I remember uh, I was bullied quite a lot when I was a kid, you know, and I had a teacher, my, oh God, what, fourth grade, fifth grade, I think, a uh, teacher. I was like eight, eight and between eight, eight and ten, like a really intense eight, nine, ten period, you know, mm. when I was being bullied. And the teacher that I had, Mrs. Hayes, I'm going to call her out. Um, uh, <laughs> She used to tell my parents, she used to tell my mom, you know, like, oh, Nathan whittles. He whittles a lot, you know. Yeah. He worries about things, you know what I mean? And so by that definition, that it wasn't directly saying don't cry, but the fact that I was bothered about being bullied, mm -hmm. you know. And, and, and because I was bullied, I was the other. I was opposite. You know, I wasn't as strong. I wasn't as fierce. I wasn't aggressive, you know. Because, and, and... And then that became just like the, the force against me got stronger and stronger. You know, when bullying continues, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, one instant maybe, oh, it's scary. Yeah. But then several instances, then it's, you know, it's just like this, um, this strength that you can't, you can't match, you know. You, I used to have these dreams where I don't, it's a very common dream where you go and punch somebody, but as you go and punch your arm gets slower and slower and it slows down until it stops right before the face like so there's a moment where you can fight back and you think i'm going to do it right now and in the moment that you do it everything slows down and the person is watching you do it and then you realize that you've blown your chance you know what i mean like i had this one shot to fight back and i slowed down you know wow. so so yeah i didn't get the don't cry but i had many examples of adults 
explaining to me how I needed to handle the bullying. My parents were great with it, and my brother as well. My older brother, he gave me a lot of advice, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I sort of got that. You know, I was like, the only way around it was to defeat them, you know, like, because after a while, and I knew that inherently, actually, like the whole, like, rise above it and, like, you know, the stuff that your parents might tell you, like, oh, they're just jealous, you know, like, oh, they, they actually want to be your friend. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? All that stuff, you know, yeah. which maybe some of it is true. You know, like the whole, like, um, you, you know, maybe young boys don't know how to make friendships or, like, they get funny about certain things and it might come out as aggression, you know. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I then I realized that, yeah, I, I need to overcome this. And with that needs to be resilience or like force or strength or whatever, you know, so. Uh, that's yeah. powerful. Thank you for sharing. But I have a question. Mm. Did your teacher ever, because she said you worry about things, right? but mm. did she ever approach you and ask you about those things you're worrying about and kind of go through them with you? Like, what you worried about this? This is not real. Or did she just kind of say, ah, oh, he worries a lot and didn't give you the opportunity to share about it? I mean, it's hard to think of now. I mean, because that was like, well, it's over, you know, it's over 20 years ago, yeah. you know. Um, but no, I can't remember her being very useful. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> like the school didn't, I mean, it's a separate issue, but like the school didn't want to acknowledge, like a lot of schools who don't want to acknowledge like... Um, excessive or extreme bullying you know mm. so they try and fix it or sweep it under the rug or just like handle it a little bit but not all the way mm. you know um my you know it was my mom who actually was the like the warrior in that you know to go to the headmaster to yeah i think she even wrote to the local councilman you know to say that this is happening at this school and nothing's being done mm. you know i remember going to one of the wildest things actually um a kid who was bullying me he wasn't like the head bully he was part of the gang mm. and um and one day, uh, my mom, I told my mom that this certain kid um, uh, was, was bullying me as well. And she was so surprised because she knew his mom. So she went up to the house and she said, right, you sit in the car and I'm going to speak to his mom and I'll be back. And I'm like, okay. And I was nervous because at that point you don't want to exacerbate things or anything yeah. like that. And, um, and then when she came out and uh, she was just so shocked and she said, well, it turns out that this little kid is being bullied too by the same bully, but his tactic is to uh, integrate yeah. with the bullying, be part of it, yeah. you know, so that you're not, you know, which is a common tactic, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, she was, you know, the, his mom, she was beside herself that like he'd become the thing that had, that had caused him so much pain. And that's how he was dealing with it, yeah. you know? And after that, we were fine, you know, and maybe his mom gave him a bit of a talking to saying like, this is not the answer. You can't, you know, you can't join the dark side, yeah. um, uh, as it were. That's so true. Cause I saw that in boarding school as well. It's kind of similar to what I was saying. Cause if he was bullying you, no one would mess with him because he's already bullying someone, right? Cause he's, a, mm. he's also a tough guy. So they'll leave him alone, right? Yeah. Mm. Mm. So you guys have had these kind of cultural and societal pressures, like masculinity, what it looks like, these stereotypes of what a man should be. How has that kind of affected you even now with China, your your personal relationships or friendships, communities here? If you don't mind me asking, like, how is that still kind of part of your life now? Ah, OK, I'm on the spot. <laughs> All right. Um, 
Yeah. So, I mean, there's been, you know, there's, there's a number of stereotypes that I run into again, like these micro transactions, maybe my micro interactions is a better example, but you mentioned just the way the two of us look Mm. right earlier. You know, I, I'm bald, I'm bearded, I'm a large man and beautiful and (laughs) beautiful. Um, but I also get really animated and passionate about things and I can, my personality can fill up a room pretty easily. And if I'm not careful, it's easy. I think uh, I've experienced people feeling intimidated or a little bit nervous around my energy. Um, I don't have a harmful bone in my body um, unless somebody put it there. Hey, but... (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, nevertheless, just based off of this appearance that I have and and apparently a a, a natural resting bitch face that I have, you know, people can be pretty easily intimidated, especially, you know, folks who are women, you know. So I, you know, I I get that, like, uh, you know, going on a date, I'm very aware of that and go out of my way to reduce that right i have really bad posture because i'm always trying to get myself down to the eye level of whoever i'm speaking to i'm not a super tall guy but generally speaking i'm trying to just like not be intimidating not be threatening in any way have women just told you directly like oh you kind of intimidated me at first or yeah. or i felt like a little bit afraid or cautious or yeah i have something. been told that i was told that by uh, an ex actually um you know throughout you know if we were ever having a conversation that was that was well if we were ever arguing or fighting or whatever if voices started to raise she would immediately go to you're scaring me right now Mm, right mm. and i you know i never knew exactly if she was being honest or if that was um you know a strategy on her part Mm. um but nevertheless it would deflate immediately and i would okay now it's my job to try to control that and try to make her feel safe Mm. right Mm. Mm. yeah how about you valentine uh when it comes to stereotypes because first of all you know i'm i'm African, right? I, I'm of, of African descendant. So I think there's a lot of black guys out there that are not really doing a service to black guys in general, right? And that's the stereotype I need to kind of work against. And then you have the male stereotype that, you know, and the way I look as well, um, not as intimidating probably as Hayden, but. From- Don't sell yourself short. <laughs> I'm pissing my pants right now. <laughs> no, but I, I guess sometimes, you know, when you do dress up and, and you look a certain way and you take care of yourself, some girls tend to think that you're a player, right? Like the girl I recently dated who pretty much an ex, she left China. But before we started dating, when I spoke to her, she was like, oh, you know, when I first met, I thought you were a player because I was with my friends, right? Who are also female and, you know, we were dressed up. So that whole dynamic, she could, thought maybe I'm just a player or something. So... I think it's just the way you look. Sometimes people just don't see past that. But um, mentioning being like uh, a, a black guy, it's I feel that in itself is just quite difficult because it's, it's so messy because I feel not there are not many black guys who are... And, not, and this is not me like 
talking down on my own like people or whatever but i just feel like most of the times we don't really we don't have a good reputation and i wonder why you know um so those are the stereotypes that i kind of face so i need to kind of prove myself that no you know i'm, I'm actually a good guy but i've stopped doing that um um now is either you get to know me or you you leave me alone and i'm not trying to because i used to do that where i'm trying to convince people that no you know I'm, I'm actually a good guy but now it's fine if you know i i'm i don't force things uh i just i just want it to be organic yeah that must be a lot of pressure though that you feel like you're putting so much mental energy and and emotional energy to push back and try to convince somebody of something all the time yeah. like that's hard yeah um at, at first it becomes just like a burden because before even some people speak to you, they've already saw your skin color and they already have made certain, you know, um, assumptions about you. So you kind of need to work again because it's something that it's me. I can't change this. So that's the first thing that people notice. But then, you know, as people who know you or people will start speaking to you, realize that, oh, okay, maybe this is an actually human being with, you know, a unique one with his own interests and he's not the same as everyone else. Mm. But, um, even speaking about it right now, I just feel like it's very tricky to navigate, you know, without sounding. Yeah, it's loaded, it's, isn't it? It's very, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. it's like, it's them versus us or something. And, and I don't want to kind of come across mm. like that. But I did read actually um, uh, somewhere, I think it was um, uh, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. It's a really oh. good book. It came in like 2016. Yeah. Um, and it was something about like, you know, like, typical male traits like maybe like aggression or you know like masculinity or testosterone like just displaying those natural emotions uh from a you know as, as a black man is perceived differently than you say for white guys the same scenario but a white guy start to get angry you know like there's instances where it's like it's it's blown out of proportion and then you know because it was related to like police crimes or like police like like not mi what's um not miss crimes, but you know, like um, uh, the ones where police have jumped the gun, sometimes mm. literally, yeah. you know. Uh, but yeah, so like traits like that are stereotypically associated with maleness, like aggression. Mm. Do you feel like that is something that is like something that is that's another layer that you need to think about where you, you can't naturally get as angry, or you feel like you need to keep it in check mm. more so. Not necessarily. I think oh. I'm, I'm sort of like Hayden, right? Mm. I, I don't look for conflict, but when it rises, you know, you need to kind of find a way to extinguish that, right? But that's a really good point you raised there, Nate, because one of the things that I like to talk about is it's okay for men to show the aggression because that's the only emotion that's okay, right? People are like, oh, you know, he's angry. He's just a man. But then how have you two experienced showing other emotions? How has that um, been handled? For example, have you ever, have you two ever cried in front of, so uh, Nate, have you ever cried in front of Rach and, you know, Hayden, have you ever cried in front of Kate? Is it? Cat. Cat. Yeah. Cat yeah. uh, or any other friend or partner, you know, I, I like a good cry. Good, so yeah. I, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the best example of this one because I'll cry when I need to, or when I feel like it. Uh. Yeah. Joy, sadness. There's lots of reasons to cry during sex, you know, sometimes, Oh, so I'm I'm totally fine with crying. Okay. Yes, but I you know I, I've witnessed a lot of people not being fine with it. 
Mm. Um, and occasionally someone will make a comment about me crying, but my response to that is like, fuck you, I'm crying. <laughs> so what, I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> you know, and then, it, and then it diffuses the situation for me and it's okay. Yeah. So, okay, so if, before we move on to Nate, do you mm. mind uh, me asking what was what were the comments that maybe is there a trend in those comments and as um, when you're crying or when you're showing the emotion, is there like a trend of those comments or absolutely it's patriarchal as fuck, right? It's always diminishing me by comparing me to a woman, mm. oh, gay, queer, um, pussy, right? Yeah. All of these terms that are generally used as insulting in nature by implying that someone is weak and weakness is feminine. It's all kind of wrapped up in that shitty bow. And I'm not, I ain't got time for that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so interesting that this is what something I was thinking about that, you know, people say, you know, like those, those slurs about referring to femininity as being weak. Yeah. That women are actually really strong. <laughs> like they give birth. Mate, if we gave birth, oh my god, wow. women have like they have like periods every month. Imagine if we had a period every month, it'd be a, someone I think was a comedian who said there'll be a holiday if men had it. It'll be a holiday, like, oh no, oh we're not going god, to work. Civilization so, may be so put true. back like by a hundred years, yeah. but the accumulation of the of the holidays it will have taken, yeah. right? Well, Betty White had Progress. that awesome comment about like, you know, pussy should mean strong because pussies take a pounding, right? <laughs> right, right, and I, I agree with that. I think women are strong and i don't know somewhere along the lines who thought that women are weak so it's very interesting but mm. Mm. um what was your question about about um have do you feel i feel like i'm taking over the podcast no yeah, like I, no, i'm moderating no, <laughs> sorry now the question was just do you um have you ever been in a situation where you've expressed emotion and someone has oh yeah i mean you know i, I cry in front of rachel mm. um not all the time. I mean, but when I need to, you know, um, and I, I'm fine with that, you know, and I enjoy a good cry. I think it's cathartic, you know. Um, but yeah, I've actually, I'm fine with like probably every other emotion and it's been like tr teaching myself how to deal with aggression, you know, and anger and, and being okay with that, you know, and, um, and I think I'm, I think I'm doing all right. You know, I think I've done better as I've gotten older you know, my relationship with like anger and aggression and, and sort of like confrontation. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I, and I think I, yeah, I think when I need to, I, you know, I, I have a good cry, you know, it's funny how like in my family, I think, you know, oh, loving and supportive, but uh, you know, I think sometimes I'm considered like the fragile one. You know, there's, you know, I've got a lot of brothers and sisters and um, sometimes like, you know, family news has been held back from me because it's like, oh, don't tell Nathan, you know, don't tell because, you know, oh, you might get upset, you know. And I think that stems partly from like, you know, because I, you know, I told my first experience with depression uh, was like 2015. You know, and I told my family and it was such a relief to tell my family, you know, actually that this is what I'm going through and I'm having a hard time. Mm. Um, but after that, I think it's that misunderstanding of what depression is and, and how it affects you. And then it's like, oh, don't tell him this. It might upset him. It's like, this is nothing to do with my life. I'm not going to start. I'm not going to break down because yeah. of, of some, you know, completely irrelevant news. Um, you know, so I think that was like a like something I had to deal with a few years after 
that I, you know, I, it was kind of like baggage that wasn't mine and I didn't appreciate suddenly taking it on. I'm already dealing with shit. Do you know what I mean? And now mm. I have to like navigate you feeling sensitive about me being quote unquote sensitive, mm. you know? So that was, you know, something, um, that, uh, I had to deal with. So, you know, I've, but I, I don't regret you know, telling my family about that, you know, and crying in front of them and, and saying how hard, I, you know, I was having uh, a bad time back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think aggression is the one that I've uh, struggled with the most and it's like ongoing, you know? Mm. Yeah. So kind of speaking about emotions and expressing emotions, you know, there's another feeling I'd like to just bring up, which is the feeling of loneliness. Um, and so there was an article called The Importance of Male Friendship, Mandates and Vulnerability that says the biggest threat to men's health is loneliness. It's also the most challenging problem for men to admit because we are never taught about the importance of male friendship. So to kind of add on to these stereotypes and other things, can you share your experiences with male friendships and those challenges um, and just how how can you experience and cultivate deeper friendships? Who wants to start? Hayden wants to start. Shit. I just became a space cadet for a second there. Okay, so, lo- <laughs> <clears throat> so loneliness. Um I mean, yeah, I, 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 I do hear a lot that loneliness is is a trait that a lot of men deal with. I remember reading um, a blog post online. Someone, um, a, a, a trans man, was talking about their life, uh, you know, before they came out and, and revealed themselves and, bef- and then after and becoming a man and being absolutely shocked at how little people were interested in talking to him now and how people would so automatically just not be trusting of him. Um, and I found that to be a very profound thing to read. Um, and it illustrated really well my thoughts. Um, I think, I think generally as a man, you do run into kind of the default setting is not trusting. The default setting is not opening um, and and not being close, Um, whether that's, you know, women in their approach to men or men in their approach to each other. Um, I certainly find it easier to have meaningful and supportive relationships with women than I do with men, which isn't to say that I don't have any with men, but the balance is skewed towards women for sure. Um, my own struggles with loneliness, um, I often find my own loneliness to be my fault, um, because it comes about when I'm not telling people what's really going on. Um, and I know like we talked a little bit ago about like this culture of men aren't allowed to talk about that. And so maybe there's a a degree of blame to be put in that regard for it. Um, But just at the same time, you know, we have to take care of our own house. Um, So I just, you know, I I try to communicate as often as I can about everything that I can. Um, But I I fail at that just as much as anyone else, I think. Mm. I don't know if that gets to the crux of the, the question exactly yeah. but 
No, that's great. Thank you for sharing. I guess, like, how do you then pursue or build male friendships? Maybe is that the thing? How do you approach it? You said maybe it's a bit easier with females sometimes. So when you're trying to find an authentic, like, male friendship, like, how do you kind of push back some of those barriers to get to that place of openness with each other? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, there's a number of strategies. I try to meet the, the, the guy, you know, where he is and have the conversation on his terms. Right. Um, you know, sometimes you need to talk about comic books or you need to talk about uh, basketball. Right. But like there's ways to get in through there, too. OK, so, you know, my favorite basketball player of all time, Derek Rose, uh, just after becoming the youngest MVP in basketball history, had a basically career ending injury. And I had a buddy at the time and he and I would just talk about the sadness of that and like. It was almost like, OK, so like I use this analogy a lot. It's like a proxy war, right? Or a proxy conversation. You're having a conversation, but it's not the conversation. But if mm. you know that you're doing it, you can still do it. I wish that that wasn't necessary all the time. Um, but, it, you know, it's it's a way that I found mixed success with. Some guys just don't want to open up and, OK, that's all right. I can just be present and that'll work. Mm. So how about you, Valentine? I echo Hayden's words because, yeah, I, I do agree with that. I've found more connection with female uh, relationships. It's, it's, it's been more beneficial for my spiritual and mental health and emotional growth as well because, you know, women love to listen and you just have conversations with them. I mean, having female friends is great because, you know, like Hayden said, for me, my experience anyway, I found it's, it's been easier to meet to meet up with my female friends than it is with my male friends. It's almost as if we can decide quickly. Oh, when am I meeting? Oh, Friday. Okay, cool. You're free. Or if you're not free, we find it. We we find we make that happen quickly. Whereas I'm part of this group where it's uh, a few guys. I'm not gonna name them, obviously, but we we have never. <laughs> Calm out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Um, no. But we've we haven't been met each other all at the same time in a long time because we all have different priorities. But you know, what I think about male relationship is that guys, I've had guys who pulled out on, on our meeting because maybe a female came into the picture, right? Mm. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I can't because I need to go see her. But then my female friends wouldn't do that. They wouldn't be like, oh, I need to go see him. So can we skip, you know? They're always committed to our friendship. And it's that makes it feel good because my female friends I feel like we're present with each other when we're there. They might text during the 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 meetup, but I feel there's more of a connection and just kind of what we're talking about here. You you feel they they they're there to listen, and when you're sharing as well, they know they can tell that you're listening, and it just becomes very natural about it. So I I definitely agree with Hayden. You know, I've and not to say that I also don't have male friends because I do have um, one of my male friends. But he's back home, you know, we've, we've, we, when we talk, we talk for ages because we, we have similar interests and everything, but I just find it, it's easier to make more female friends and be vulnerable with them than it is with men. Because with men, you can't even really talk about feelings. You can try, but they just be like, no, I'm good. You know, let's keep it moving. Like, I'm not sure if you've all have seen this. There's a video, there's a few videos, but there's this one popular one where this guy, you know, this bearded 
big guy. He's like, oh, you know, you know what it feels like to be a man? You know, this guy's going through so much shit, blah, blah, blah. But you don't say anything because you're a man. And he's just like, oh, there's like these guys like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Right. And it's like a TikTok video. And for me, I was just like, that's so backwards is so uh, unproductive because you're just making it okay so that people or men can't share their, their feelings and i think i agree with hayden when it comes to loneliness sometimes i feel my loneliness i think before the loneliness was because i felt that i was maybe behind in life and like oh no you know i'm not doing as well as this guy or these guys i don't have these things or these cars or the, but i think when you speak to people other people and realize that no you know it's okay not to have those things or maybe everyone has a different journey in life that kind of gives you a little bit of a relaxation um mm. sensation or whatever and um yeah i think that's i'm not sure what the other question was but yeah i'm sure yeah no thank you thank you for sharing that and, and nathan do you have anything you'd want to add on uh, echoes what you've said actually i've got some really strong and really wonderful, um, you know, female friendships that I've had throughout my entire life um, that have almost, um, you know, defined moments in my life. You know, like these mm. friendships have been amazing, you know. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I've got, you know, one of my oldest friends. I've known him since I was four, you know, uh, Dave. And, you know, we went to uh, primary school, secondary school, college. Uh, we traveled you know, went, we had like a year in Australia, we did that. Then we went to university together. So like a good, like 20, 20 odd years of our lives, we were, you know, like joined at the hip. Um, and other friendships as well, um, you know, from uni or, or school um, that are still in my life. But, and every now and again, we'll talk, but we'll talk for like a couple of hours, like you say. Yeah. Um, but what I, f but they're getting far and few between as you get older. But what I am finding easier is to make new female friendships and, and sort of do that and, and say meet for coffee or, or just have a good catch up, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, what, I, what I have found actually in the last year or so is that I did think to myself, I need more male friendships or, or mom moments of contact, you know, like, you know, like more than, just like group settings where there are some guys there, there are some girls there and you have a bit of a chat. Uh, and every now and again, when I do that, you know, um, I feel better, you know, I feel like, God, that was great. Actually, that was fun. And that was, there's a shorthand there because we guys that we can talk about things in a certain way, even if it is just comics or, or whatever, it's, it's, uh, it's a different vibe, you know, and I appreciate that. And, uh, but more so I appreciate it at a level that I'm and a pace that I'm comfortable with, you know. Um at the beginning of the year I, I said that out loud actually. I said to a to a group of uh guys I was looking for more you know, it was like a uh, a support group. I was looking for more male friendships and, and you know, some people took that uh like okay then let's let's run with that then and let's let's work on that and i think it's because i was going at somebody else's pace and i was like well no 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 this is not mm -hmm. this is not what i'm wanting no 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 this is this is not um this changes things you know and this, it, then the organicness is, is, is taken away um but yeah uh so yeah similar to what you guys have said mm. yeah I was gonna say some guys don't have female friendships because they just want to sleep with a girl, right? <laughs> I don't know how that works. It's I feel like we're similar, 
like us three, but I feel like some guys, they think, oh, you're just friends with them. Mm, nah, you, you, you smash in on the low, bro. You're like, no, we're yeah, just yeah. friends. It's like, nah. Because some people really believe that, like, can men and women really be friends? Mm. Or there's not always going to be this, like, sexual thing. There's going to be something <laughs> in between that, right? Yeah. But, yeah, no, I think. Well, I mean, that happened with me and you. But, like, I've got female friends that, you know, it's, that's, you know, it's never happened. And it would never, you know, like it would, mm. you know. So it's sad to, you know, and just because it happens once doesn't mean it's like, oh, well, that means that. It's definitive. They can't be friends, you know. Mm. Um, I also feel like those guys are are missing out on an excellent opportunity because having sex with someone is a great way to open up and be vulnerable. And then, like, what a cool place for a friendship to start, mm. right? Like, have sex with your friends. Do it. That's just my advice. But also, <laughs> you know, because yeah, like, it is it is inherently an intimate act, right? Mm. Why why is it either we're fucking them or we're friends with them, right? Mm -hmm. and, and of course, not everybody has the chemistry to have sex, to want to have sex with each other. That's not what I'm saying necessarily, but I don't know that these guys that, that, that just go and just fuck. Mm. Yeah. What a missed opportunity because you could be friends, right? Pillow talk is like the best place to be vulnerable and, mm -hmm. and start to build friendships with that. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I can't though. I can't conflate the two. Like if I'm friends with a female, I almost see her as a sister, you know, it's, I can't cross that boundary to have like. Maybe it's because I never had a sister. Like, I don't know what that relationship is like. So uh, maybe, maybe it's just a bit different for me. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Fair. I, my point mm -hmm. is I get you. Mm -hmm. You know, I get your point as well. Like, why not just have that beautiful pillow talk after, you know, a good session? Oh, that was really interesting. I, I guess it's cool to hear you guys like talk about this because each one of you is still bringing in your own kind of personal experiences and thoughts and backgrounds and all of that adds into this swirling conversation of what what masculinity is and how that kind of impacts your relationships, your friendships, like what you're doing in your own life. Um, and I guess to add on, we've been talking about friendships and opening up with males and Hayden, I'd like to, to comment and bring up something you had, you had talked about in a previous group chat we had. Um, you're a big advocate for speaking out about mental health. And you mentioned once that um, you should talk about your depression every chance you get. Normalize it. Take away the need for a spotlight in your inner circle because the room has always been lit to begin with. So can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Well, first, I, I make a great quote because that's really nice to hear. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, you were like, ooh, quoted e me back to me. Yeah, my ego is so happy right now. So, <clears throat> no, it's, it's, it's just, that's just what my approach to my own depression. Um, and it has not always been that way. I would like to give a shout out to my nesting partner, Kat, right now for really, really helping me discover how useful it is to discuss my depression openly. There's one like really particular story that I, I, I don't know, it's, it's quite a long one. So I don't know that I'll get into it right now. But the ultimate lesson of this story was to talk about my depression. And since then, I have not had an episode as low as I was around that time. Um, the more that I talk about it, the easier it gets the more manageable it gets. Um, I went around for a little while, you know, uh, again, at Kat's suggestion, just having sit downs with friends, like one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two and letting them know like, hey, this is what I'm going through right now. 
And it was a really, really scary thing. Um, and I, I think I was justified in being scared because boys don't cry. We don't talk about this, right? That, that the cultural zeitgeist told me you're going to get punished for being open about this. And to a person, not one of them punished me for it. Mm. Not one. Mm. Instead, I received a lot of gratitude. Um, and it got easier. And so now I make a point to talk about my depression every chance that I get. I just like the way, you know, I, I want everybody else to, to, to have that experience that I had. I don't know if everyone will have the same, but mm. I don't know. We should be talking about this. When we put a spotlight on it, that shit's scary. You know, most of us, we get stage fright, right? And, and, and if you, you have to sit down and explain how you're feeling and everybody's sitting there watching you, even with, you know, even like one-on-one -on -one with a therapist, okay, now it's time to discuss depression. So, well, okay, so now it's a designated block of time. Do I know that I'm saying the right things? Mm -hmm. Do I know that I understand what I'm saying, right? But mm. off the cuff comments, we don't need to overthink those. They just come, right? So if we're just talking about depression all the time, then it's not an issue. There's no spotlight at all. Mm. So that's just that's just where that came from for me. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I, I agree with normalizing it. And um, <clears throat> I think the first time, you know, when I, you know, went to the, my friend spotted it actually, who's um, who's no longer with us anymore actually because he, he took his own life. Um, but I was talking to my friend Al and and he said uh, I was talking about him. I was feeling you know I was going through these symptoms and he said go to the doctor. I think you might need to talk to somebody. And I went to the doctor and he was like, I think you're clinically depressed. Let's put you on some tablets, mail you out. You know like until you can might give you some headspace to deal with some stuff. I was okay. And um, and then I had to like combat actually that feeling invalidated because I was around people that had gone through some really serious shit. And my partner at the time actually, you know, she never really acknowledged it because she'd been through like a lot um, and it kind of belittled it. It's like, you can't be depressed. You can't experience depression. And I had to like fight against that. And when I did, it got better because I spoke about it more and more people, she was actually the only one that wasn't, you know, were actually was, you know, more people were supportive. And, you know, and that was a sign that it was a, a bad relationship and I needed to get out. Mm -hmm. um, but normalizing it did help me feel better actually. So yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. Mm. Yeah, as you guys are talking, um, uh, you reminded me of something because Hayden was telling me the other day that he wants to create basically a community of men where we, the main, the common thing that we'd have with each other is that maybe we're a little bit sad or depressed or something, but we don't talk about it. It's like, you tell me about how you feel like he just said right now. It's more like we're in a room or we're in a venue, but the only reason why we're all there is because we have that and we can just talk about other things. and. That reminded me of a study about they they did a study on rats where they they put a one rat in just a cage right and gave it drugs basically and that rat would overdose right after a few days it would just keep get drugging itself and overdose but then they put the same drugs and made like a rat park 
where there's so many rats, so many things to do, you know, wheels and stuff like that, that can have fun. And the rats didn't use the drugs because they were having fun with each other, right? And, and socializing. And that's a really good point that Hayden made because sometimes you don't need someone to be like, tell me how you feel. You just need that social connection that, oh, there are other people out there that I can socialize with and get out of my head for a little bit. And that helps you as well to kind of process things, I think. Hmm. So I was just going to actually, because it's a phrase that we heard recently, uh, Rachel and I, and, and when somebody said it, um, about these moments where you're meant to be vulnerable and these allotted amount of times, um, it was just, oh my God, that's a perfect phrase. But this is sort of like a emotional prostitution, you know, that it's like, okay, like you've got to haul your emotions out for like an hour or so because that is the allotted time. It feels like that sometimes and it takes away the uh, your your agency sort of like not to share or to, to listen. And if you don't do it, then you're not doing the work, you know, and <laughs> and that is something that's, um, yeah, I've experienced. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, it's not a nice feeling to feel that way. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> I just wanted to give a, a compliment. So like the, the subjects, the topics that we've gone through here, like that you put together, right? So you start with the, 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 the stereotypes of men, boys don't cry, followed by the loneliness of men, followed by depression. And with that mice story, right? It's no wonder to me, more men kill themselves than women, mm. right? Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know if that was by design, but it was seems very cleverly done. Yes, it was. <laughs> we planned yes. that to happen. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Yes. <laughs> so talk, talk, just talk more, more talking, all the talking, and don't mm. punish people who talk, and don't punish yourself for talking. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Like, and that's. I guess that's. Like we said in the beginning of the episode, I feel like there are so many other deeper things to dive into with each of these topics, you know, and they each be their own episode. And, um, and each of you have your own experiences as well, that it's really hard to get into in a short time. And I, I feel like I have so many more questions as well. Like, but I think this is always the common thing. Like women want to know like what's going on and mm. how to talk to men. And I know you guys have said you have female friendships, so you must get questions like this a lot as well. Um, but well, yeah, I mean like when we've in the past, uh, we've done, uh, male episodes so we've had more like a you know more men than women you know we tr on, on the show you know i still think the listenership is more women than men that are just curious like mm. what are they going to talk about <laughs> you know? but i'm curious too like rachel for you sitting here listening to all of this and you've also attended men's dinners mm -hmm. you know i guess how do you feel when you hear these these types of comments that, that the three of us are making. Mm. Mm. I mean, I, I feel, I guess, first of all, like, you know, thank you for your vulnerability and your bravery. I feel like I grew up um, with a very stoic dad. He did not talk about his feelings. I've never seen him cry. Like, so I guess, and I never had brothers. I have all sisters. I've grew up with a lot of women around. Um, and then I also grew up in a conservative background, blah, blah, blah. It's led me to China, but I didn't see... I guess men talking about it much. So I guess, first of all, it was really interesting to see a group of men that I know talking about it because I've seen, you know, 
Helena shared about like Man Enough podcast, and that's really cool. But you kind of see these celebrities or people talking about this, and then you're like, oh, those are those people. But then like to see people you know, and even you know Nathan going there and seeing how important it is for men to talk to each other about this, and that's why kind of at those dinners, I kind of didn't want to be too vocal. I kind of took a step back because Helena was moderating; she was doing great, and I don't think I, I needed to be an extra female voice adding when it was such a great important time for men to be just talking to each other and having that time. Uh, and I think it's also just been interesting for me with Date Night China. You know, we do have a mixed crowd. We have lots of WeChat groups and different people who come to our events. And sometimes I've had situations with men in these groups that I'm a bit frustrated, but I you can't obviously say that all men are like that or all men are this or all men are that. Um, but there's just just wondering like how do you help then how do you support these men i think we had a situation uh, around national or international women's day oh, yeah. and some yeah. men were just outraged that there every was an, year, every, every year, year. Yes. they were just like man, why one man is outraged. he was just outraged he's like why isn't there international men's day which by the way there is mm-hmm. and just like they couldn't understand like, oh, we're supporting women and it's not taking anything away from men. Um, and I think I was just very confused and upset. I was like, we're just trying to do a good thing for women. And by helping women, we're also helping a lot of other yeah. like we're helping everybody when we're bringing up these conversations. But then it also made me think, like, I don't want to attack him. That's not going to solve anything either. So how mm. what what is he feeling? I don't think he's feeling men community. He's not feeling supported by these you know communities in China. So what? what then there's a deeper thing going on here. I guess that was really interesting to me. And then we started doing this with Kalina. So I've been like really curious from that point of view. And I think, um, you know, I think that as well highlights um, like uh, something that's come over in the past, like maybe 10 years or so um, is, is you you feel like you have to view masculinity through a, a, a female prism, you know, like it's masculinity, through femininity, you know, and through feminism, you know, and and I think that's that's been a confusing, not to give an excuses for you know abhorrent behaviour or anything like that, mm-hmm. is but I just feel like it's um, some men have, have found it difficult, and I think finding our way in what that means, and I think the whole how recently it's been like you know more men are talking about it's okay to cry and it's okay to talk about like, depression, but I feel like it has been. A confusing navigating time, you know. Um, uh, we've had it, you know, as men, you know, as history goes, we've had it pretty good, to to say the least, for the past couple of centuries. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think we've <laughs> we've had it pretty easy. Um, so I'm not saying that. Oh my god, it's been a really tough ten years of navigating what it means to be masculine. Oh my god, um, but. Uh, you know, I think that's, you know, it's born out of that. So, you know, I've got some patience uh, when it comes to that at times. You know, guys, they'll say stupid shit like that. Mm. Um, but that's a whole, I mean, if anybody's wanted to read, you know, uh, feminism is for everybody. Bell hooks, you know, yeah. start with that because mm-hmm. that actually talks a lot about, um, you know, like, uh, well, she gives a lot of advice for men, actually, that book. It's really good. Mm. So Patriarchy yeah, hurts us all, right? Mm. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I, I would say I'm a male feminist, actually, because I do advocate for women. I think women are great. But um, to kind of pivot off that point, I'm um, not pivot, maybe to add on to it. Rachel, since you've been sitting in these dinners with like guys and being a spectator and everything, what do you think? Like, and maybe you've said it before, but what do you actually think 
and I know we probably need to wrap up soon. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> but what we'll do make you... this the final killer question. <laughs> so, no pressure. Um, so I think, what do you think, being the spectator there, what have you seen? Is there some sort of common thread between these men that are there or what do you think stops men from sharing what what's your take on the whole thing because you're watching right and like nate said seeing masculinity from a feminine perspective what's your take on the whole situation Ooh, good question great question yeah Ooh, good gosh question. i hope i can even answer that and do that justice like that is a yeah, really don't fuck this up <laughs> this has been a great episode if you fuck it up in the last hour if i get it wrong we'll just cut it out and then nathan, nathan then sit down it. nathan <laughs> um i think for me i enjoyed watching the group dynamic but that's kind of what i like to do anyways with any kind of group but I, you know, a lot of you guys didn't know each other in the beginning at these dinners. So first there's that first barrier of you're trying to get a read on the room. Is it safe? Is it okay to open up? How can I open up? Am I going to identify with what another guy is saying? I, I think I felt once again, anybody could happen in a group dynamic like this. But if somebody says something that you don't necessarily agree with, but you're with a new group that you're not sure you're comfortable with to like go against in a respectful way, I think there was a bit more cautiousness in the first dinner that we've had, in the first hour especially, but you could definitely notice a shift as that dinner went on, like the guys getting more comfortable opening up or voicing their alternate view um, or expressing something different. Um, so once again, I'm not sure if that's like a feminine point of view. I think I was just more interested in, in how guys were sharing with each other and when they felt it was okay to open up and share because I think it's also one thing to talk about it in theory, um, to talk about opening up and then actually in practice, it, it may get a little bit messier or maybe more difficult than it actually sounds like on paper to open up because there are these other barriers that go into that, I feel. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of very specific <laughs> examples. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just really, yeah, enjoyed seeing the challenge being taken on, I yeah. guess. Maybe, maybe that's something that we tackle on the next time that we chat. Because it'd be great to have you two back on the podcast sometime. So thank you for coming on today. Yeah, thank yeah. you for having me. My pleasure. Yeah, thank yeah. you guys. How can people find your podcast, Valentine? Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Spotify. Oh, Apple Podcasts and Anchor, just like you guys. Because I think Nathan is the one who suggested Anchor to me, actually. So thank you for that, Nate. And if you wanted to know why the, the sort of awkward pause there is because Valentine's very modest about it, but it's excellent. Yes. Really, check it out. It's fantastic. It's insightful. It, it's it's like a it's like a monologue and a diary, and you know, and social commentary all rolled into one. It, it, it's it's really it's really thoughtful, and uh, it's it's great, man. Oh, very but, kind. It, but he's very modest yes. about it. And it's called Men Are Human Too. Go check it out. You'll probably have more episodes by the time this airs. This will come out in a few weeks. So mm. you'll have more for people to go catch up and listen on. Mm. And Hayden, so how, how can people, do you have anything socially you'd like to share about right now? I know you, you do a lot in the Beijing community with just like such education, maybe the, your own podcast. There will be stuff coming. Um, I'm for now, I'm going to lean into the housewife bit and give myself a little bit of break for a couple months. Um, 
you know, something will happen. Or you can find me at the rug having a mimosa and talking about Bridgerton. Fair. Nice. That sounds lovely. And it's been amazing that we've got through the podcast and neither me or Hayden has done a Christopher Walken impression (laughs) at all. It's crazy. <laughs> Who knows? There it is. We'll talk about it. <laughs> there it it's is. It's been so good. Talk to Man, you don't talk. <laughs> it's hard. Why? We got to be tough. <laughs> Nobody's laughing. Thank you for laughing, Rachel. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Heard it so well, many times from Nathan, but you know. I'm still so, working on he it. He just naturally starts coming out with it, though, when he's not it's, even trying anymore. So that's <clears> the thing. Yeah, it's become me. And um, on that note, thanks for joining us this week for the episode. Okay, take it easy. Bye. Bye. Bye.